2. Matthew chapter 2. It should be on the screen. I pray we would hear it with fresh ears this morning. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they'd heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Loving Lord, we thank you for the Gospels and this story that we are rereading. Thank you that the Gospel is good news to each and every one of us right here, right now. I pray that something more of that good news would be grasped and grasped for us this morning. In Jesus. Amen. Um, I, uh, in preparing, prepare, preparing for Christmas, uh, there's a lot of things that need to happen. My, um, uh, my uh, dear friend with two children, uh, three children, uh, they were doing that thing where you write a letter to Santa, uh, and uh, this is a copy of uh, a letter his daughter wrote uh, just this week. I thought I'd share it. She was ex she's excited about Christmas, but it was kind of heartening. It says, "Dear Santa, it's all very nice. She's seven. Uh, dear Santa, it's not I'm not actually sure what I want for Christmas, so I don't mind uh, what you give me, but it can't be stuff I've already got, <laughs> or boys' stuff. I really want you like what you got for me last year. She's very uh, but just to make sure, in case Santa's a bit busy, she's she's can't really see it, but she's she's written in capital letters with uh, numbered bullet points one. Non-boys stuff. Two, non-stuff that I have already. Well done for the amazing presents last year. Best wishes, Alice. <laughs> I like that. The Christmas message 
isn't something we hear and move on from. The coming of Jesus is the most wonderful moment that reshapes and transforms everything. God with us. The Word made flesh and dwelling amongst us. I, I wanted to, uh, to speak on uh, this passage on this uh, third Sunday of Advent of the wise men or the Magi coming uh, to, to greet Jesus. I know it's slightly out of time that we're in Advent, it's not Christmas, and, and technically this story should be read at the end of the Christmas season with Epiphany and the coming of the wise men in early January. But um, because we're not so hot on, on the normal church calendar, we kind of get to January, we've moved on to a new sermon series. So we, we kind of like don't always hear about the wise men, the Magi from the East. And I thought maybe in our seeking and our journeying towards Christmas, there might be some helpful uh, pointers. Uh, we, we don't really know much about the wise men. We assume that there are three, but that's an assumption. They bring three gifts. Can you remember what they are? Of course you can. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And uh, uh, they, they, we don't really know what their names are, although church tradition has given them some names. So this is like the, the advanced class of Christmas uh, for your Christmas quizzes. Can anyone name the three wise men? Uh, that's, yeah, Melchior, Cas Gaspar, and... Balthazar, look at that. Um, did, I, again, I was doing a little bit of research about them. I'm not, we don't know ultimately who they are or their names. We, we don't even know how many there were, but the, uh, the tradition has it that there were three. That uh, Balthazar was uh, attributed in, in Armenian tradition from coming from Arabia. Uh, that would be uh, kind of where current um, Iraq is. And Melkar uh, from Persia, that's Iran. And Gaspar, tradition has it, is from India. I didn't know that. Till I researched it. Uh, there is uh, some speculation uh, of, again, where, where have they come from? Um, I mean, we, we don't really sing that song so much, We Three Kings. I remember singing it lots as a child. But anyway, uh, we don't really know exactly where they came from, but it was from afar. Some speculate Persia. Some uh, speculate from Babylon. Again, that would be modern-day Iraq. Um, but there is, there is a, a, a document that has kind of fairly recently be dis been discovered. I don't know uh, if this is true or not, but it kind of makes the point that was 8th century, but probably written in the 2nd century and is contained within the Vatican archives. And it talks about the, the wise men, the Magi, coming from a place called Shear. And uh, that was a word that was used in ancient literature as the place that silk comes from. It wasn't a shop, but... China, from the end of the Silk Road. Now, I, I'm not wanting you to plug or opt for one of those three and think, oh, well, let's go for the Persia or the Babylon or the China option. That sounds exciting. But needless to say that these travelers came from a long way, over a thousand miles if they were coming from Babylon, if not further, on a one-way Camel ticket, over a thousand miles. That the astonishing truth at that time is that, that people in their whole life would rarely travel more than 35 miles from the place they were born. In their whole existence, wouldn't go more than 35 miles in distance. And yet, here in the Christmas story, 
these wise men, Magi, coming hundreds of miles. Magi uh, can mean uh, from a priestly caste, and, and uh, they obviously were aware of, uh, of looking up and of, uh, of, of the stars, and they saw something significant in the, in the sky. Some speculate they were astrologers, those who may be early scientists. Uh, some people describe them as magicians. Uh, definitely, they are wise. But remember, the context of magician isn't like Paul Daniels, you know, uh, doing a little card trick. They weren't sort of, uh, uh, you know not booked for the pantomime season that Christmas, and they thought they'd just make a little journey. The, magi the Magi magicians was actually kind of a term for those who would perhaps practice in uh, things like early medicine. It was seen as most mysterious how medicine would work. But what we are sure of is that they were moved to move, to seek, to follow, and to find a lesson to learn that wise people follow the star. They travel for hundreds of miles, and they, they describe, we saw his star in the east. And we don't, we don't stop and think about it, because it's familiar that we know it. Uh, but they saw and were moved to move. Wise people do so. Have you been looking up? recently. We've had big moons that have been particularly bright. It didn't really look any different to me. Um, there was the, I think it was the Geminid meteor shower this week. Did anyone look up? Maybe. Um, it's really helpful, I discovered, because um, I used to look up, and, uh, and I think I, I worked out where North Star was, uh, it's always worth knowing. It's kind of like pointy up from the plow, uh, which looks like the big saucepan in the sky. And I also knew about Cassiopeia because it's like a big W. Uh, but that's the, the, the extent of my stargazing. I didn't really know much about the heavens until, have you discovered apps on phones? I mean, most of you have. That's an obvious answer. But there's, there's one I discovered called Skyview. It's amazing. It's it, like you look up and there's all these like dots of light and you think, how on earth can people, apart from just being super creative, make this look like a bear or all those other constellations? But Skyview is an app. You just kind of pick it up, turn the app on, point it to the sky, and it just does the dot to dot for you. And you can go like looking really knowledgeable and going, aha, there is the Big Dipper. And everyone could go, wow. And you can point, it's so clever, you can point it through the earth and know what's going on on the other side of the planet. It's amazing, you can't even see them. You're going to go, oh, that's a great Christmas present. It even tracks where the space station goes. Uh, the magicians, the wise men, the magi, didn't have the apps. But they were looking up. You know that in days before light pollution, there was an awful lot of brightness up there. When you go to the countryside or the place away from civilization, and you look up and think, who put all those extra ones there? So rarely do we look up. And even in our modern culture, so much of what we see up there is masked by the pollution. So the wise men remind us that even though we look up and we see and we're called on a journey, one of the psalmists wrote, the heavens declare 
the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. But for these travelers recorded in Matthew's gospel, they saw enough to know that something of eternal significance had taken place and it set them on a journey to seek and to find, to move, to find the King of Kings. Maybe they looked up and wondered, what sign, what portent is this? That these wise men, looking at the stars, had a holy curiosity to say, I want to find the answer. I encourage you, this Christmas season, have you stopped with that holy curiosity to say, I will seek and discover? Have we, as, as familiar worshippers, lost that sense of awe and wonder? The wise men followed the star. Makes the question be asked, perhaps, were there unwise men too? Were there unwise people who were in, in the places that we don't know where, Persia, Babylon, or even further afield, who saw the same things and said, no thanks, can't be bothered. Not this time. Other things to do. I, I'm not going to step out in that way. Those who didn't follow, those who didn't go, those who had the same opportunity and said, no, the unwise. But the wise men followed the star and set out on a journey and found the greatest gift of all, the gift of Jesus. They moved and said, we will step out of the status quo and we will come and find where we are being led. It was a huge step of faith. I mean, think about it. There they are in, in you know, their Christmas robes. Uh, you know, you know, you want me to reenact it. These, these, these men from afar. That they, they saw this sign in the heavens and thought, this is a sign. Something of significance is taking place. And it, we don't know how far it will take us. And we don't know where the destination is. Or what is the outcome. But this step of faith, this, this journey, this leap of faith, of following. And unlike us with our Google Maps and directions, they didn't have that. It was a journey of great faith. Perhaps one of the greatest steppings out in faith. But it's something that God asks. Way back in the Old Testament with, with a, a man called Abraham who got his name changed to Abraham. God encountered him right in Genesis 12 and said, Abraham, leave your place. Come, follow me. And he did. And that began a whole new history. For the wise men, they chose not to be unwise. They saw the sign and they stepped out without kind of a route map, without a, a, any kind of sense of having journeyed there before. But they stepped out to say, this is worth finding. Even at the risk of being lost. 
If you've ever walked something like the Cotswolds Way, uh, there's generally markers along the way so you don't stray. Maybe because the farmers don't like it so much if you wander off. But we're quite good at following directions or following a path, a trail, when it's clearly marked. But for these journeyers, they took the step of faith and followed the star and saw where it would lead. Wise men seek. They came to Jerusalem. Kind of expected. They came to the king because that's where knowledge and authority and and the expectation of they know what is going on. That's where the star had directed them. And they asked those who were in uh, the capital and and they went to King Herod and said, "Where, where is the king of the Jews? We saw his star. And it, when it rose, and we've come to worship him. Now, uh, Herod was, was troubled, and the story goes on, and it becomes sinister and dark, because Herod is, is power-hungry, and he hates rivals, and he sets about with infanticide of, of wiping out the young boys up to two years old to try and snuff out the light of the world great distress. And God rescues Mary and Joseph and Jesus, and they, they travel as refugees, as, as those displaced people to Egypt to find safety. But the wise men come and say, King Herod, where is the king of the Jews? And, and he, he's perplexed and mystified and gathers together the other wise uh, chief, uh, the chief priests and teachers of the law and asks them, where is the Messiah to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied. But they weren't there. They were in Jerusalem, a few short miles away, but they weren't there. And the wise men knew that they still hadn't found what they were looking for. And they traveled on to Bethlehem, and they, uh, they found Jesus and Mary. And we're told wonderfully that as they come and worship him, it's beautiful. Verse 10, when they saw the star. They were overjoyed that moved. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Overjoyed, with great joy. I mean, this was the end of their journey. This was the destination that they had set out upon so many months ago and traveled hundreds and hundreds of miles. Of course, it was great joy. But more than that, because their eyes beheld and saw. That the Christmas message still is that of great joy, of overjoy. In fact, in the Greek, there are, there are four words that are used to describe this. Of, of such was the joyous, uh, of overwhelm, overcome, overjoyed in their recognition of Jesus. The angels announced to the shepherd, bringing glad tidings of great joy. I hope. Something of the joy of Christmas is rekindled in you. Why? Because we're very good at remembering what we should forget and forgetting what we should remember. Jesus has come. Jesus has come. That they worshipped. 
That was their destination. They were, they were following. They were following the signs. They were persistent and dogged in their determination to say, we will come. We will lead, go where this star leads. And they came to this most inauspicious place. And their response in their destination and finding was great joy and worship. A true response always to bow and to worship Jesus. In our inviting of people to events and services, come and meet Jesus and have the joy of knowing your Savior. Have the joy of knowing peace with God. Have the joy of knowing that we are not forsaken or abandoned or lost, but he has come to find us and to forgive us and to give us peace and restore us and reset everything that has been broken and remake everything that has been cast aside and to, uh, to gather together as a people without enmity and hostility. Great joy. Great joy. And the wise man sought and responded in joy. Do you know that's such a hallmark of the spirit, the, of, of the gospel of Jesus, of what it means to know and worship joy, isn't it? Isn't there a wonderful story in the Gospels where, where Jesus is, is kind of reflecting on all these people that were coming to him, people from who wouldn't be expected to come to a holy man, who, who would kind of be saying, no, keep away, you're too bad and dirty and marred and maimed and, and broken and dishonorable and, and messed up. Keep back, keep back, crowd control. Only let the privileged and the VIPs in. And Jesus says, no, no, this isn't the way of it. I mean, here are these, these Gentiles, these these people from a long way away, and they come and they worship Jesus. And the shepherds, those, those night watchmen on the hills, they were, they were there in that scene. And Jesus, in, in, in the story in Luke, is recounting people saying, what is going on? And Jesus says, don't you know that when one sinner, one person who is far away turns back to God and trusts in, in Jesus as the Savior, what happens? There's a party in heaven. When one person turns back to God, there is rejoicing. It's like heaven is waiting with expectation and, and a heart is yielded. As someone says, I'm sorry for not trusting you. I turn to you, Jesus. And all of heaven pops the champagne pops. And, the, and the, the, I'm sure they don't have like little party poppers that go, Pff. they probably have really big explosive ones of celebration. This continued joy and celebration as people turn back one by one by one by one. A great party in heaven uh, breaking out in great joy. No wonder the wise men as they came sensed this joy because they sensed the heart of the Father for humanity. Great joy for all mankind. Great joy. Great joy when each of us seeks and turns and finds him. Great joy because the father says, my child, you're coming back to me. My child, you are discovering why I have sent the son. Great joy. Overwhelming joy. The wise men capture it. Now, apologies if, if you're feeling this is a sexist message. They could have been uh, wise women, I'm sure, too. Someone has reflected that if they were wise uh, women, uh, they would have been somewhat different. They would have uh, asked for directions and got there sooner. They would have arrived on time. They would have helped deliver the baby. They would have cleaned the stable, made a casserole, and brought practical gifts rather than gold and frankincense. And uh, We do baby packs. 
and I can say there's no gold, nor frankincense, nor myrrh in the baby packs. There's nappies and muslin and a little treat for the parents. But there's a lesson here too, just as I wind up. That the, the wise men bring gifts. They brought themselves. But in, in bringing the gift that they brought, there's symbolism and meaning in that. I'm sure you're aware of those. But remember, it was gifts, and they were very practical and helpful. That those seeking brought their gifts, and that enabled Mary and Joseph to live. Remember the context of the story. Why were they in Bethlehem? Because they had to leave Nazareth because there was a census. And they were told everyone had to go back to their place of origin. Why? Because the chancellor had said there's tax to pay. At Christmas time. Who wants to have a tax bill at Christmas time? We know that Joseph was a carpenter. We don't know the quality of his work. I like to think it was great. But they weren't a rich family. Think about it. They, were, they had to go on a journey. Mary's pregnant. They, they get to a place. They haven't got a place of residence. We don't quite know. Uh, there isn't an in mentioned. I'm sorry to, to say that. But they were probably of low means. And they had to pay tax. And the wise men brought gifts of gold. In a few, short, uh, a few short moments, we heard about the dream. They've been warned. They're having to flee. They're having to not even go back to their home place and the things they've left and the people they knew and their relationships and families in Nazareth, the place called home. They had to flee, and they went far, far away to Egypt. And yet, the wise men had brought gold. How did they survive? Through the generosity of God. Possibly even the frankincense and myrrh, the symbolism obviously of, of myrrh being something to do with, with burial. But, but frankincense and myrrh, precious uh, incense, precious, uh, valuable, that, that no doubt may have supported and sustained their life in the days to come. That the wise men captured something of the heart of a worshiper who says, we will bring our gifts to Jesus because in bringing them to Jesus, the expression of generosity and goodness Someone I was listening to made this really important point. Sometimes our gift becomes someone else's miracle. And they say, no, but it's our gift. But they say, no, it's a miracle. A gift is often a miracle in someone else's eye. And a miracle becomes uh, is the source of a gift. What do I mean? Well, you've probably heard of the story of, uh, of so often... Uh, of the, the Muller homes in Bristol, of, uh, of George Muller, with, with uh, lots of uh, children being gathered who'd been abandoned and, and left aside, and he had children's homes, and he would feed them, and they had hungry mouths to feed. And very often, nothing at the table, and they would first pray, and they'd find that there'd been a gift of food or of money. It was a gift, but for them, it was a miracle in their time of need, in their very pressing time of need. Someone's act of generosity opened up a miracle of provision. Imagine if the wise men had arrived, and they've come to worship. Oh, we've, we've left our bags somewhere. Their gift became the miracle of provision for Mary and Joseph and Jesus in the early years. Their generosity their kindness unfolded the kingdom of God, the plans and purposes of God. 
when I, when I sometimes ask people, if you could like list, and, and sometimes we do it in prayer, open prayer times, can you list like the characteristics of God? And we're good at that. God is loving and God is kind and God is creator and God is sustainer and, and God is ruler and, and God is almighty and, and all those things, yes. But you know what struck me once as I was thinking about that? Rarely do people say God is generous. But you know that is one of the key things of who he is. How do I know? Who did he give for us? Who was in the stable that the wise men came to visit? The gift of Jesus. And Jesus mirroring and, and, and exactly matching the, the heart of his father said, I'm not going to leave you abandoned. I'm going to give you whom? The Holy Spirit who will bestow gifts upon you in the heart of God is a generous giver. He loves us and is for us and is overjoyed in us. And we just catch a glimpse at Christmas as we begin to give gifts, maybe clothes that we can swap at Harriet's in the new year. But actually, in that sense of giving, in that sense of sharing, of generosity, at Christmas time, we begin to capture the heart of what the wise men had. We are giving because it captures the heart of God. Now, I know that a pair of socks and a handkerchief may not be a miracle to some. But may the lessons of the wise this Christmas in seeking in the great joy and the character of the worshipper to be generous overflow from Christmas to 2018 in who we are, in how we act, in the faith we carry.